1, verses 15 and 16. Amen. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15 and 16. And we're, we're going to, we're actually, we really are picking up from where we left off last week, but I had enough material in that set of notes that I broke it out, this piece out into its own its own lesson. So we're going to start here tonight, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15 and 16. <clears throat> but as you, but as he which has called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. But as he which has called you is holy. Everybody say, he is holy. So be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. Amen. And it's from this launching point that I want to start talking about tonight pursuing his likeness, pursuing his likeness, amen. Let's ask the Lord to speak to our hearts right now. Lord, we thank you for your goodness and mercy. My God, I'm asking that you would help me tonight. Lord, I'm praying that you would put your words in my mouth that I would only say what you won't say today. God, I pray that you would anoint our ears, each and every one of us, God, that we could hear what thus saith the word of the Lord to the church. God, I pray that you would meet with us in a mighty way. God, I pray that you would open our hearts to be receptive to the word of God today. Lord, let us leave this place challenged in Jesus' name. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy. Amen. We thank you for it today in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Praise God. You can be seated tonight. I don't know why I lost my voice Sunday night <clears throat> towards the end of the, end of the service, and uh, it is not playing nice with me right now. My throat is killing me, so we'll go as far as God allows us to. <clears throat> Amen. Peter said that we need to be holy simply because... God is holy. In past lessons, in the whole conglomeration of lessons that I've done over the past several months, we talked about how that the word holy is the most descriptive term that we could use for God. There is none like him. He truly is the one who is set apart from everything. And uh, he truly is one of a kind. There is no one, there is no thing in this universe or even to the expanse of what man can comprehend that can compare or can even come close to being like God. and uh, But yet he calls, he puts a call out there for you and for me. And he says, be ye holy because I'm holy. We've got a job to do. 
we've got a job to do. It's going to be an ongoing job from here until eternity. But I want to do and do my father's bidding. And his bidding is that I be holy. Amen. We need to be holy simply because he is holy. We do this in order to please God. Uh, this is also going to help us to portray Christ to other people. Um, if we are who we are, then who they see is us. But if we are who he is, then who the world sees is him. That's my desire. And he will benefit and we will benefit both now and for eternity if we do one thing. And that is obey his commands. Yes, I said commands. They aren't options. They aren't suggestions. They are commands. And we're going to break those down here in just a little while. Holiness means that we are conforming to God's character. And we are detaching from our character and our nature. We think like he thinks. We love what he loves. We hate what he hates. We act as he would act. I see of late that this term that was made popular when I was a young child, WWJD, what would Jesus do, is resurfacing. In fact, a group called Cain wrote an entire song about WWJD. And I'm not putting down on anything, but I'm telling you, if we, we've got to do more back then, I remember preachers saying, hey, I love the, the concept of WWJD. I love it. I love the concept of it. The problem is a lot of people say it, but they don't live it. And somehow we've got to go beyond just lip service and we've got to put it into action. Amen. Repeating what God says and repeating what's in the word of God and saying it out loud, amen, is one thing. Um, but that's not obedience. Uh, he, he says, this is how you're going, people are going to know that you are my disciples. Number one, that you love one another. And number two, that you keep my commandments. Amen. I'm not putting one or the other above each other, but he said, there's two ways people are going to know that you are his disciples. Is that you love each other and you keep his commandments. Why do we need to keep his commandments? It's simply because when people look at us, they need to know whose children we are. Let me tell you, when you see my kids, you can know that they are my wife and I's kids. When you see these Mendez kids, there is no denying that they are related to Sister Cecilia and Brother Darren Mendez. If you see me and my father together, there is no denying that I am Jerry Hilton's son. But I can promise you this. We need just as much of a resemblance to our heavenly father as we do to our earthly family. We need to allow our lives and our hearts and our minds to depict who God really is. Amen. 
Holiness is specifically separation from sin and worldly values. Um, I'm going to do my best to get through a lot of these notes, but this morning, uh, our little puppy woke me up early this morning, and I tried to go back to bed, and I couldn't. I tossed and turned. I prayed. I, I, I began to read the Bible, and God began to talk to me this morning, and, and I, I don't know why I didn't think of it then, but when I started putting my, looking through my notes this afternoon, I said, oh, this is why. The things I studied this morning go right here, and some of the scriptures that I have go right here in this, in this lesson. I just wasn't thinking about it as I was going through the study this morning. And God was talking to my heart. God was dealing with me about some things. And, and uh, maybe I'll, I'll deal with them in a little while <clears throat> when I get to those verses. But uh, number one, I, again, I, I don't ever want to rush God. I want to make sure that we allow him to do what he wants to do. Holiness is specifically separation from sin and worldly values and dedication to God and to his will. This is not my opinion. This is not just my commentary, but I want you to see what the Apostle Paul had to say more than once in more than one letter. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies. Everybody say, my body. A living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Second Corinthians, Paul writes to the church at Corinth in chapter 6, verse 17 and 18, and he says, Wherefore, come out from among them and be you separate, says the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. And I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and my daughters, says the Lord Almighty. And then going to the next chapter there in 2 Corinthians, he wrote still yet in verse 1, having therefore these promises. Everybody say, I have a promise. Dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and the spirit and perfecting holiness in the fear of God. I want to be exactly what God needs me to be. If we want to receive, if we want to be received of God, we will have to live a holy life. Amen. Being holy means we must not love the world. And I'm going to say more things that may even raise even more flags, but I want you to bear with me until I get to the scripture and explain what I'm talking about. To be holy means I must not love the world, nor become attached to the things that are in the world. 
not, according to Scripture, participate in its sinful pleasures and activities. James 1 and verse 27 says it this way, Pure religion and undefiled before God is, and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. Later in James chapter 4, he continues and he says this. He said, you adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Everybody say enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Not my words. I'm not just trying to pull scriptures out of a hat just to try to make a point. I, I was talking to my brother the other night and I told him, I said, never when I preach do I want to just go through the motions and say, hey, here's a scripture that says this. It looks good. It sounds good. It agrees with what I'm trying to say. Because I don't, Brother Mendez, I don't want to pull it out of context. But as long as I got two or three or more witnesses in the word of God, I, I want to make sure that I, I'm, I'm standing up the doctrine that is found in the word of the Lord. And uh, here in this passage of scripture, in fact, if you've got your Bibles, I would love for you to turn over to James chapter number four. And I, I, I didn't put them in here, I should have. <clears throat> James chapter number four. <clears throat> now I read to you verse four. <clears throat> Give you a moment to get there. <clears throat> Romans chapter four, verse four says, You adulterers and adulteresses. Know ye not the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Pretty strong language. Do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy, but he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resists the proud and giveth grace unto the humble. Verse 7, submit yourselves, therefore, to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. He keeps going on. He says in verse 10, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. Speak not evil of one another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother, and judgeth his brother, speaketh evil of the law, and judgeth the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but you are a judge. And he says, verse 12, there is one lawgiver who is able to save This lawgiver can save us and to destroy who art thou that judgest another. 
Another passage of scripture that is in my mind right now, would you like for you to go to Ephesians chapter number four? Verse 24, Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 24. <clears throat> Ephesians 4 and 24 says, And that you put on the new man. We can back up even further. Let's just start with verse 23. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor. For we are members one of another. Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon thy wrath. And verse 27, neither give place to the devil. I'm going to come back and talk about that in a minute. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the things which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. But now... Listen, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. That doesn't just mean cursing, my friend. This means demeaning somebody's character. This means talking down to somebody, trying to destroy somebody's uh, feelings about themselves, trying to make, set you up on a pedestal with your words, my friend. Evil communication. Corrupt communication. Don't let it come out of your mouth. But that which is good to the use of edifying. You know what edifying means? It means to build up, to encourage, to help grow that individual that you're talking to. That it may minister grace unto the hearers. And verse 30 and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Amen. And I, I might as well finish this. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Let it all go. And be ye kind. Everybody says, I need to be kind. One to another. Tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. Now, James and Paul are writing here, seemingly in my mind, about the same exact subject. They are writing to the church, explaining to them, hey, this is how that you ought to act if you are filled with the Holy Ghost. The Apostle Paul says many things. In, in, in the fact, if you go through Ephesians 4 down to chapter 5, verse around 18 or so, there are many instructions. And he ends by warning the people 
Don't walk like fools walk. Don't be a foolish man, but be a wise man. Walk in love. And But one of the things that was standing out to me this morning as I was praying and talking to the Lord was this. In verse number 27 of Ephesians chapter 4, the Bible says, Neither give place to the devil. Anybody want to take a guess at what that means? Nobody? Really not difficult. If you give somebody a place, what does that mean? You need to stay somewhere, and you got nowhere to go, and I give Mateo a place. He gets to come to my place sometimes. And we get to spend time together in my house. Now, I've talked about this before, but my house is a safe place for my family. I want it to be a safe place for my family. Your house should be a safe place for your family. That's where you need to put up doors, and you need to make sure that not only are we keeping them out the bad guys, but we we have an obligation as individuals uh, of our homes. We have obligations to keep the evil spirits out of our homes. And uh, I I began to look into a lot of stuff. I'm not going to take a lot of time here. I just want to stop and just give us a word to the wise. I, I, I know that there are a lot of things in this world that we, lot we don't understand between here and heaven. We don't understand. But there are some things we should understand. And number one of these things is we ought not make a room for the devil in our home. I'm not giving place to the devil in my life. I don't care who I need to kind of cut off. I'm not trying to say we got to cut people, people off. I don't like cutting people off. If you know anything about me, I don't like to cut somebody off. But let me ask you something. Are the people in our lives today, are they... Helping us grow closer to God, or are they drawing us away from God? It's imperative. The scripture teaches us, and, that, and that, that's another lesson that I'm going to start working on, is, is, is what kind of company do we keep? How, how, how can we make sure that we are, we are staying in, in, in the confines of people who will edify us? It goes back to the communication here. In the word of God, he said, hey, don't let any uh, corrupt communication come out of your mouth. Well, if you're allowing constant corruption to come into you, amen, you've got to, you, you've got to somehow let that out. Whatever you're taking in, it goes back to the window of the soul, right, Brother Tuffy? We've got to make sure, hey, we're not allowing things to come in our eyes that we shouldn't be, uh, we shouldn't be obtaining because the eye is the window of the soul. And so we've got to do our best to make sure that we're not going down these routes. And I, I look, I know, and, and I've, I've had conversations with others privately, but I, I, want, I want to make sure that I say this publicly. I want us to know, hey, I love a lot of folks. And just because 
I don't want to go spend a lot of, I, I don't want to spend time with these people because they're entertaining nasty, filthy spirits. And I'm only human, folks. I'm only human. And it's important that we don't entertain filthy spirits. And yes, filthy spirits can get on people. We've got to be careful. Let me, let me just explain this just a little bit. I, I didn't come to talk about this. I considered this, in fact, I, I think it was at the Howells home talking about this the other day. And I want to make this, I want to make this clear. When God sets, sets people apart in salvation and then others he will set apart and he will remove or allow them to go their own merry way for the safety of others because that individual is not willing to let go of a nasty, nasty spirit. A person in and of themselves is not a nasty individual. But spiritual attachment, now I'm not saying this person is, is possessed or any per person that, that, but if they're entertaining them, they, they better be careful because they could become possessed with those things. But I want you to understand, I, I, don't, care, I don't care where we go, I've watched, and, and I've, I, I'm, we're out on the internet, so that's why I'm just trying to be, be wise with the words that I choose. I, I want to know that we're walking with God. I want to know that we're going in the right direction. I'm not at all alienating any, any one individual. I am alienating spirits that I have to deal with. Last week, Brother Tuffy, I've told some of these folks, I told you that Thursday night. I, I personally dealt with a nasty old spirit that's trying to rule this area, and he doesn't like the fact that there's a church in Lynn County, in Jingle, Kansas, wherever you want to put us, that's trying to stand for the truth, and that's trying to build a a, a, a group of people who love God and who are looking to please God. And uh, not in any way am I trying to say we're better than anybody else. Not at all. But I do know this much. The devil will fight those that he feels like are a threat. And I have watched sickness sweep into this, into this church and I'm telling you, I don't feel like this sickness is, is just sickness. I've watched stress. I've watched circumstance. I've watched, I've dealt with them myself. And one of the things that I have noticed about the spirit that we, we have to deal with, and I believe, and, and you understand, under the sound of my voice, you can leave here thinking I'm absolutely crazy. I got Bible to back it up. I've spent a lot of time dealing, digging into the word of the Lord and, and also spending a lot of time in prayer asking God to give me clear direction. We're not going to see the ultimate revival that God wants for this church to have until we as a church stand up against the enemy 
or the prince of this, can I say it this way, the prince of this city. I use that term because if you go back to Daniel, Daniel prayed for a long time. And Daniel prayed and he prayed and he prayed and he prayed and he wondered if God was even listening to what he was saying. But Daniel's prayers were definitely getting through, but the answer was being blocked by what the angel came and told Daniel was the prince of the city. And I, I have it on good authority, not just myself, but many, many, many men. We believe that there is. In every city that God sends a man and builds a church in, there is a prince in that city that the church is going to either have to come into contact with or they're going to have to destroy. And most of the time, it's not just a destruction. It's something that we get the victory over and we have to go back and get the victory over and we have to go back and get the victory over and we have to do it again and again and again. Because they're not willing just to release control of what they've had so long. I said all that to say this. One thing that I've learned about the spirit that I never realized it until I sat down and God began to show this to me was some of you know the times that I told you that I, I came under physical, I don't know, mental attack. I don't know what you want to call it. I'm not going to go into the details, but those times did not happen until I moved here into the place that God called me. When I lived in Lewisburg, when I lived in Olathe, I didn't face this much opposition. But God called me here. God has given us the grace to do and see what God has allowed us to do and see. And I'm thankful for it. But I knew this day was going to come, Brother Mendez, that we were going to have to deal with this thing. And you guys are probably like, what, what are you trying to get at? It's really simple, honestly. We need to bind together. Because this particular spirit is, I, I've, I've talked to my, my bishop, I've talked to other men of God. I feel like this spirit that we're dealing with today in this church is, is a spirit of iniquity. Every church has to deal with a spirit. They have to deal with the opposition of the enemy to allow the church to go forward. It's really simple. I've begun realizing that the first thing that begins to happen when that spirit begins to attack me is, number one, I get confused. And I start thinking about all of the crazy things that are going on in my life. And I become overwhelmed. It starts with confusion. It becomes overwhelming. Then you start not really sleeping well because you're worried about things. And then you begin to try to do things and fix things on your own. And when you do that, then you get tired and you're exhausted. And I have seen the effects of this spirit. And it's not fun if you get too exhausted. And sometimes you're going to have to have somebody else come help you pray through that thing. And as we begin to deal with these things, I've told others. I think I told 
Brother Blue and Sister Rini at their home. I said, look, guys, I don't think it's in, I don't feel like it's any accident that they're dealing with these, these situations. They've had some other deals going on. I'm not going to get into their personal things. But I know some of you have had situations arise in your life. And I know that the enemy is trying to work you over and overwhelm you. And when you are exhausted or overwhelmed, let me tell you, that's when he sets it in. And he says, all right, now you're too sick to do this. And now, now I can't go do this. And, and I'm not at all. I'm not at all putting down on sickness. It's real, folks. I've dealt with it, I promise you. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to beat up anything or any, in, anybody. I'm trying to beat up a spirit. I'm trying to expose him. And one thing that we have to understand is um, another portion of this spirit is sympathy. Sympathy. You say, well, what's wrong with sympathy? Well, nothing if it's for the right thing. Sympathy for those who are unashamedly against the church. Look, I want to save everybody. Brother Tuffy, I hope you know me this well enough by now. I wish I could go out there and grab everybody I could and love them into the house of the Lord and get them in here and see God change their life. But but some of them just don't want it. And it's not that I hate them. But if they're going to fight hardcore against what God wants to do, look, I'm not going to stay in that position. And I'm asking this church, if you could stand with me against that spirit. I'm not, not against people. But sometimes you have to leave people alone for a time. Let them come to themselves like the prodigal son did. You realize the father didn't go chasing the prodigal son and saying, oh, man, I know, I know, I know you thought you had it rough, man. I just want you to come back home. I just, I want you to, I, I want, I love you so. No, he didn't do that, did he, Brother Tuffy? Man, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. No, he didn't stop looking. He didn't, he didn't stop. He didn't stop having hope that that, that individual was going to come back to home. And you know what he did when that person walked back through? And he, and he ran as soon as he saw him off on the horizon. And he grabbed a hold of him and he hugged him and he kissed him. And he let him know, hey, I still love you. But the boy had to learn on his own. He had to come to himself. And when people decide, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm against all the things that I've ever stood for. Let me tell you something. They're walking in the wrong direction, folks. You've got to be careful because that spirit, it's not that person is evil. That spirit that is trying to draw them out of everything that they've ever believed and everything that they've ever wanted and ever needed. Amen. When they get out of that, that spirit now is trying to affect other people in the church. And it's trying to say, hey, come on. Hey, why don't you come with me? Come on, man. Come on. And, and, and many of us do what he just did right now. We get up and say, all right. Uh, it's okay. I'm sorry. I know you're hurt. Now this time fight me, okay? I don't want you to get out of that chair. You ready? When they come and, and, and they keep pulling, come on, man. 
You don't love me no more? Well, why don't you come with me? You're confused, I'm sorry. I want you to come with me every chance you get, buddy. You did a good job. Thank you for helping me. But you get the picture. Just because they pull on us. We're going to have to, that spirit's looking. And that last scripture I read, neither give place to the devil. Now the devil's constantly out there knocking on your heart. Hey, here I am. But he's not there saying, hey, I'm the big, bad, bad ugly devil. No, he's saying, man, it's love. It works great. It's peaceful. It's going to be fun. You with me tonight? But you've got to be able to say, hey, I know who you are. And there's no place. That word place in that scripture literally means a location. A residence. Look, the devil doesn't have a home in here anymore. When I got filled with the Holy Ghost, I kicked him out. He was evicted. I didn't even let him pack his stuff. I said, get out of here, dude. If you see it on the curb, come grab it later. I don't know. But I, all I can say is, get out of here. I don't want you here no more. You're not welcome. Going to all the, and I did, said all that to say this. Brother Mendez, you remember a man named Cora? Cora. Yeah. You know what he was? He was a musician. His family were musicians. They were in the priests. They were part of the priesthood. They were holy, supposed to be. And you know what? Cora one day rose up something about the musicians. You gotta be careful, the musicians. They may end out there in the left field. You know who else was a musician, right? And a a musical individual. His name was Lucifer. I'm, I'm being facetious. I've been a musician almost all my life. Well, they say drummers aren't musicians, so <clears throat> I guess I wasn't a musician. I'm just teasing for a minute. But I can tell you, folks, this man named Korah decided they didn't need Moses anymore. I'm just summarizing, okay? This is as far as we're going to get tonight. Okay. I've been going 40 minutes now. Man, time flies when I'm talking. Maybe not for you guys, but it flies for me. But I want you to understand, Korah, bless you. Korah. Korah got a, got a bunch of guys together. And maybe not, not intentionally, but they all rose up with Korah and they all went to Moses and Aaron and said, hey, you guys aren't right. You guys should let us do some of the tasks that you're doing. Right, I'm, I'm summarizing. I'm just trying to hurry and get to the point. And Moses recognized what was going on and realized this was a rebellion. And he... Now, this statement wasn't made yet because it was Samuel who stated the statement. He said that rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness. 
as idolatry. But Korah rose up and he told Moses, you know, get out of the way, old man. We're here, we're young, we're young bucks. We can handle, we can handle what you're doing twice as good as what you're doing. I'm, okay, I'm paraphrasing, all right? That's not what they said in the Bible, Bible. But they're just rising up and they're saying, there was mutiny in Israel. And Moses looked down and he realized, hey, this ain't good. And he, he realized that all of Korah was there and guess who stepped in on Moses' behalf? You remember the story I'm talking about? God opened the ground. Their tents, their families, everything was devoured. I, I don't remember straight. They had a one-way ticket. Got to close the ground. And you know what happened to that people after Korah was destroyed? Think about this. Now everybody's going to go home and read this story now. I hope you do. After Korah and all of his minions fell through the ground to a place who knows where, then all of a sudden, the people started getting together. I cannot believe that Korah would call down, that Moses would call down the judgment of God on Korah and all them guys. Couldn't he have been more merciful? Moses had nothing to do with it. God judged those guys. It wasn't Moses. He wasn't out there digging with his shovel and then pushing them all in the hole. No. God opened it up, swallowed them and closed it back up. Everybody saw what happened, and they were mad at Moses, not at God. They were mad at Moses, and you know what happened? God got upset again, and he said, all right, that's what you want to do? I'm sending judgment, and if I remember right, the number was somewhere around the ballpark of three times as many people that felt sorry for Korah and his bunch, died than what actually died when Korah was consumed. All I'm saying is please be careful because that sympathetic spirit, that's it. And the only way that they could get deliverance is by obeying the man of God and what he done. At that point, it wasn't an idol. God said, give them a, a point of, res- of refuge. Give them a point of hope. They did. And those that would obey and look up to the bronze snake after being sn- bitten by the snakes, they would be saved. But I wonder still yet, Brother Tuffy, how many of them refused to look up at that, that snake? All I'm trying to get across is we've got to be because that spirit I don't remember which king it was I, it, 
the one that built the two uh, tabernacles, the one in the north and the one in the south, so that they wouldn't have to go to uh, Jerusalem to worship. Pretty sure he's the one that did that. But that spirit that rises up sympathetically, look, I want to help everybody I possibly can, but there comes a time that you're going to have to say, hey, I love you, but I'm not appreciating where you're headed. And I'm afraid that my children would be affected and that if I'm caught in a moment of weakness and I'm not praying like I should be, I'm going to be affected. Maybe I should say it this way. I'm going to be infected. Let me tell you, the only way that we can overcome this spirit, Sister Tori, you want to come and try to figure out what you're going to do. One thing that I, I'm asking this church, whether you're here tonight, whether you're listening online, I'm probably going to talk about this a little bit, not to this extent, but a little bit on Sunday to the folks that come. Because here's the thing, to, to destroy and to overcome this spirit, a spirit of iniquity is, iniquity simply means lawlessness. Rebellion and immorality are children of iniquity. So where iniquity is, you're going to find immorality and you're going to find rebellion. We can destroy the rebellious side together. But here's the thing. Look, I don't think I'm anybody, folks. But I need you to work with me. And I work with you. As we grow together, we can't allow things to come between us. We've got to allow ourselves to be bound together as Ephesians, I think it's verse 4, and, uh, verse 6. Is that right? Ephesians chapter 4 and 6 says... Is it? What's it say? That's it. Yeah, four and three. Thank you. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit. When we're unified with God, we'll be unified together. That means when we come to church, we're working together. When we come to pre-service prayer, we're praying together. When we're worshiping in the worship service, we're worshiping together. When we come to fellowship at times, we're going to fellowship together. And we're going to do our best to not allow problems between us as individuals. And let me tell you something. This is, I've watched it too many times. I've, I was in a church, grew up in a church, fought this spirit most of my life. And I'll tell you. The first thing that happens in a church when that spirit starts moving in its in, in the church is it'll it'll get something that it knows Donnie doesn't like and it'll magnify that thing that he doesn't like and it'll show him 
how tough he's doing those things that he doesn't like so much. And so there will be some kind of a friction between you and all of a sudden you, you have no idea why, why, why it's there. And you'll get more upset and more upset. That's how that spirit works. I'm only talking from experience. I've been there. I've been affected by it. I've, 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 I've been in its grasp before. But thank God he gave me mercy. And the only way that I was able to obtain the mercy and obtain freedom from this nasty old spirit, it was simply this. Number one, I had to repent. And number two, I had to get locked in with my pastor. And I went to my pastor and I said, Pastor, I'm sorry. I've been slacking. But here I am now. I'm not saying any, but any of y'all are slacking. But all I'm trying to do is trying to encourage us. Let's grow together. Let's work together. When we all pull together, together, together. When we all pull together, how happy we'll be. Right? This old song. Uh, is that a Sunday school song? Is that just a normal song? I don't know. Anyhow, I need you guys. Little Tuffy, I need you. I need you bad. What's that song? I need you. You need me. We're all a part of God's body. And you know what? I sure don't. I may be a toe. My goodness. If even the hand gets hurt, my whole body is affected. And I want to make sure I'm doing my part to help the body grow. I need you guys. I've got to have you. And you know, there's, there's times where we've got to understand, I want a fellowship with God, and I want a fellowship with those whom I know are pursuing Him with all of their heart, with all of their mind, and with all of their soul. That's my desire. Can we stand tonight? Let's ask the Lord to help us. Can we do that? Can you ask the Lord to help take everything that we've learned tonight and understand, God, we want to, be, we want to rally together like never before. We want this, the prince of this area, we want it to know that we are standing together. We are going to bind together in the unity of the Spirit. Oh, that's it. Let's talk to the Lord for a moment here today. I magnify you, Jesus. I thank you for your grace and mercy tonight. Thank you for the help this evening. God, I'm asking somehow, help us, God. Come together in a mighty way. Lord, no matter what goes on in life, that we can realize what's going on and, and be able to stand on our own two feet, Lord, seeking after you and understanding if we are one with you, everything's going to be all right. If we can maintain our faith, oh God, if we can help God and, and we can help each other and lift up each other's hands and, and encourage one another, 